People ask me, you know, why I'm so passionate about Nikki Haley. She's a winner and she can get more winners and build more winners. That's what this is all about. Trump is a loser. I want more Republicans to win. And I think more Republicans should want more Republicans to win. But it only happens if we say thank you for your service, Mr. Trump. We're moving on to the future. That's Republican Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire explaining why he has endorsed former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. And what is at stake? I'm Margaret Hoover. This is the Firing Line Podcast. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. Republican caucus goers in Iowa delivered former President Trump a decisive victory this week. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. But as the race now turns to a pivotal primary in New Hampshire, the Granite State's popular fourth-term governor has thrown his support behind Nikki Haley. In New Hampshire, right now, we effectively have a one-on-one race, right? It is Haley versus Trump, and that's an amazing opportunity. The son of a former governor, Chris Anunu resisted calls to enter the 2024 race himself, instead planning to endorse the best candidate to defeat Donald Trump. I gave New Hampshire everything they asked for and much more, and it's hard to do that when you can't stand the governor, right? But a selfish guy. Now, Sununu is making the case to GOP voters and independents that Haley is the most qualified and most electable choice to take on President Joe Biden in November. It all starts with leadership. And again, Donald Trump is gasoline on the fire. Nikki Haley brings folks together with a record of experience. But what if Republicans do nominate Trump in spite of all of the chaos and the controversy? Everybody knows how awful January 6th was. But if you think that that is a complete disqualifier, no. No, I'm not saying just because of January 6th he won't get elected. I think he very well could get elected, but should he? Governor Chris Sununu, welcome to Firing Line. This is great. I'm very excited. Thanks for having me on. After this week's decisive win by Donald Trump in Iowa, all eyes are on your state of New Hampshire, sure. where you have endorsed Governor Nikki Haley to be the nominee for the Republican Party for the presidency. What are the stakes of New Hampshire? Well, the stakes are very high for Donald Trump because in the first three states of Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, it's all been said, and he has said he's going to win them. He's going to win them hands down and, and run away with it. Um, he, he did well in Iowa, as, but as was expected. But Nikki did well. No one expected Nikki to have a, such a strong finish. He went from 2% to 20%, um, almost beat uh, DeSantis uh, for, for second place when DeSantis had put every dollar, every person, everything he had uh, into Iowa. He really hadn't been in New Hampshire in, in almost a month. Um, in New Hampshire, right now, we effectively have a one-on-one race, right? It is Haley versus Trump. And that's an amazing opportunity. I always wanted to get it to Haley versus Trump by Super Tuesday. But now we have Haley versus Trump as we go into, it's, as we go in here. You know, Ron DeSantis went immediately to South Carolina after yeah. after his second He's place. Not but explain to the uninitiated why that makes this a two-person race. Well, again, he's polling in the low single digits, and he actually announced that he's not putting any money, any effort, moving everything to South Carolina. So in New Hampshire, it really is just Haley versus Trump this last week, which is an important week. A lot of numbers can move. Ron has said, I'm giving up on New Hampshire and I'm going to South Carolina. Nikki's home state, so I'm not sure what else he thinks he's going to get there. Um, the path, the glide path, really is designed for Nikki because she goes from here. She's going to do very, very well. She's definitely going to end up in second place, may even may even beat Trump, which would be an absolute shocker, but that actually could happen. And then she goes to South Carolina, not for an election next week. She'll have almost a month 
three weeks, four weeks before the election actually happens in a state she has won multiple times. She knows how to do the ground game there. Much like New Hampshire, it works. As a governor who can tout records of success as opposed to just the president, who a lot of folks, I think, just assume has it. I mean, the number one reason people uh, give when they support President Trump is, well, he's going to win anyway, right? That's not compelling. 35% core there, but everyone else is kind of just kind of going with the flow. You break that, you kind of shatter that presumption that folks have, oh, wait, it's not just Trump's race. It's not just Trump's party. We have other options and other opportunities. Now more people engage, more people get excited. And when it's just a one-on-one race, you're not asking the voter to sift out 10 different candidates like we did back in 2016. It's one-on-one. It's a clear choice. And in South Carolina, they know the uh, the alternative, and it looks really good in Nikki Haley. It sounded to me just now like you were lowering expectations of, in terms of what we should expect in terms of her finish here, that a second well, no place ever ex- finish would yeah. be a win. Oh, sure. Isn't a win a win if it's a two-person race? Uh, no one's ever expected Nikki Haley to win any of these early states. I mean, no polls have said she's going to win. No, no one has ever. She, Her team has never said. We've never said she's definitely going to win New so Hampshire and South Carolina. you think a second place finish is a win for her? Of course. Yeah, because again, she why? Because she, there were 14 candidates in this race. Does the margin versus matter? Trump? If she can keep Trump to a certain number or mm. she can be certain. I'm sure the pundits will talk about whether... Two points matter yeah, or 20 governor, points you know or all state. that. No, I don't think the margins really matter because for me, it's always been about getting through the first three states with a one-on-one. It's happening sooner than later. So if anything, there's just- she's winner of the field. Yeah, that's a huge win. That's exactly what America was asking. So these Ron DeSantis is a non-factor is what you're saying. Complete, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do Iowa voters matter to New Hampshire voters? Does, there, does what happened in Iowa impact Remember, New Hampshire voters? So how many people voted for Donald Trump in Iowa? 56,000 out of 3 million people. No. I mean, Iowa has a place and we respect their caucus, but understand very few people participate in that process at all. We have three times, four times the voter turnout that Iowa does. So no, and and that's okay. I mean, Iowa has their process. We have ours. We would kind of respect each other's. Ours is more of a primary. Uh, Unaffiliated voters are 40% of the voters in New Hampshire. About 30% are Republicans, 30% are Democrats. Yeah. how does this impact Nikki Haley's chances? The more voters, whether they're Republican or undeclared, the more voters that turn out, the more it doesn't favor the incumbent, which is Donald Trump. He's effectively the incumbent, right? So the, the higher voter turnout we can get, the better chance we have of those of the voters that are that are new voters, that are more likely to be new voters to say, we want change. We want something different. We're, we're not going with old school, with yesterday's news. And New Hampshire has a tradition of doing that with McCain, with other folks that came after him, a tradition of saying, give us the next generation of leadership, not the same old thing. And that's what Trump is, the kind of the same old thing. Compared to 2016, Iowa had low turnout. Even even more than the weather could account for. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, does that give you pause about yeah. the degree of enthusiasm this time around? Absolutely. No, it's, it's, look, again, it goes back to when you ask those Trump voters or a lot of voters, uh, you know, who are you going to vote for? Well, I guess Trump's just going to win anyway. And there's folks that say, well, I don't like Trump, but he's going to win anyway. I won't go vote. So you have that same, you had a lot of that apathy over and above the cold weather issue uh, in Iowa. Very concerned about it here. And that's why, when you do the retail campaigning, right? Uh, Nikki was in Littleton. She's in Whitefield. She's in the north part of the state. She's in the south part of the state. We'll be in Rochester later today. By doing all the retail stops, that's how you get more meaningful connection with the voters. Maybe they're not the massive town halls. She does those too. But in the day, during the day, she's doing a lot of these more meaningful connections. There's much more opportunity for 
for folks to take that connection and talk to their friends and their coworkers and their neighbors about their experience and their meeting Nikki and all that. And that actually helps galvanize a new turnout the vote opportunity there. So it's not just focusing on party ID and all that, you know, traditional stuff. It's more just getting people excited about the opportunity for change, momentum, right? Excitement. And we like that. We like a little energy and chaos and momentum. And, and, and that's what you're going to see out of her over this next week, kind of building to really crest, crescendo, if you will, right on election day. A recent Boston Globe Suffolk poll was released and it has Donald Trump at 50%, Nikki Haley at 34%, 6% undecided. Mm -hmm. What kind of unaffiliated turnout do you need on election day for your candidate to triumph. Yeah, I, uh, we're not really looking at, at the. Oh, we need a certain number of unaffiliated. We just need a. We just need a certain. We would like to crowd crest over three hundred thousand total votes. Unaffiliated Republican doesn't matter because she can't, She's a strong conservative. So strong conservatives like yes, we need some fiscal responsibility back in Washington. We need to decentralize government. You know, we need to uh, get health care reform, build the wall, all the you know border security, which is very important in New Hampshire. We need this stuff done. Conservatives want that done, and they know she's kind of that. She's a Tea Party candidate, right? As we talked about in in, in 2010, she's the conservative candidate there. Trump is his own thing. He's not a conservative, right? Trump is his kind of own thing, his own cult cult thing, and he does it very well. Trump is attractive to folks, not because of policy or conservative policy. Trump is attractive attracted to, attractive to folks because uh, he kind of connects with folks on a gut level. He shares their anger. And in 2016, he got elected because he was going to disrupt Washington. And we supported him in 2016 and in 2020. He was there to disrupt a, a, a Washington that had gotten very complacent. Um, the problem is that disruption, instead of him disrupting Washington, that disruption is now upon himself. And there's chaos and there's drama. He can't get anything done. So disruption is fine, but you got to move the whole ball forward. You can't just break it all down. You got to get stuff done. He showed he wasn't able to do that. Conservatives want that stuff done. So back to your original question, it isn't we need this many unaffiliated and this many Republicans and this many moderates and this many conservatives. It's just we would like to see as high a voter turnout as possible, well over 300,000 if we can get there. And that gives her a, a, a real shot. If we have a low voter turnout, you're gonna it's not going to be as bad as Iowa, of course. But that's, yeah, it makes it much harder. But that's because the enthusiastic voters are the Donald Trump voters. And if you have new voters, they're likely to be Nikki voters. Well, the, they, they always vote for change. Yeah, in yeah, this yeah. case, it would be a Nikki voter. It, yep. The reason I asked about independent unaffiliated is because in that New Hampshire, Boston's the Boston Globe Suffolk poll, uh, undecided unaffiliated voters were sampled at about half. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, that's about right. It's, it's about, about half of the voters will be uh, unaffiliated, yeah. So. Uh, undeclared. Yeah, so I think that 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 um, that um, ratio is about right, but it's a poll. Uh, find you, me a poll that's accurate. You have, how much confidence do you have in the polls? Uh, the polls that say that Nikki's going to, to do fabulous are exactly right. And the <laughs> ones that say, no, I mean, that's just what, it. Politicians look at the polls that do well you, and, and we get behind it. Polls are so inaccurate. What is They're your experience so about when New Hampshire voters decide? Very, this week. Okay. Yeah, about, if I may, about a third decide before December, about a third decide in December, and about a third decide after January 4th. Demographically, polls suggest that Nikki should do better in New Hampshire than in Iowa because, well, for one thing, and she will. higher income state, higher yeah. educated state. These are groups she performs well with. Um, what is the message that Haley should use to New Hampshire's Trump Sununu voters, the non-college educated blue collar you know, voters who vote for Trump? Well, I would say this. I mean, to be honest, I think Nikki and I share the same philosophy. You don't change your message based on who you're talking to. I, I mean, I, other people do, but I, I don't. This is who I am. These She's are kind of the win ABCs. Those voters. How's she going to do it? Um, 
when what what are the got to win Trump's and other <clears throat> voters? Yeah, so I mean, going after a Trump a Trump voter is great because that's effectively two votes. You're taking one from him and you're adding one to yourself. And because when it's a binary race, that's that's the real opportunity that you have there. Um, the discussion is this is not and don't assume that Trump is going to run away with this, right? Those are the voters most likely to move because they haven't really looked at a lot of policy. They just said, well, I guess he's going to win. But when they again shatter that presumption, when they see a lot of these polls that do have her very close and that she is within striking distance. I mean, one poll had her tied. I'm not, I don't know if she's tied. That would be amazing. But, you know, when you can kind of show that this really is a horse race at this point, people go, oh, wait. And they take the last week, they come to the town halls, they engage with her on her retail stops. They listen a little deeper in terms of what, what she's delivering. That's the opportunity to bring the tr Trump, those Trump voters across. That hardcore 35% that are absolute zealots, almost like a cult or something. I mean, they're not moving. They are not moving. At the end of the day, though, the, the ones that, again, are just kind of in it, well, because, well, I guess he's going to win. Those are the ones you want to engage a little more. And those are the ones that we have been, that, that they have engaged. But I don't think it's a, let's find that voter and change our message. You, that's not the way she works. She's just going to the state. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And it's a really, really strong message. It's a strong brand here in New Hampshire. Do you think that 30% of the Republican Party is like a cult? No, no. Look, there, there are. There's about 30, 35 percent of the Trump voter that is just not going to be moved. Yeah. You know, that's it. They're just not going to be moved. There's very, very little that you can say to them to get them off the bandwagon. Uh, how much is New Hampshire like an upset? I mean, how much does the history of a New Hampshire primary that delivered Bill Clinton the comeback kid that made John McCain relevant in 2000 again? How much does H. That w. Bush right and back in '88? McCain. You know, McCain yeah. had a huge upset win. I mean, his numbers skyrocketed from 10 points behind to a 10-point win in about two weeks. How much is that you know? baked in the DNA of New Hampshire primary voters? Yeah, we like that. We like the underdog. We like we like candidates that are scrappy and honest and just connect with us, you know, at a very real level. Don't stand on a stage and just tell us what we want to hear. Get in your fancy plane and go back to the to the country club. That's kind of the Trump thing right now. At the end of the day, Nikki's here. She's staying here. She's hitting all the, the spots. She's traveling the state. We'll take any question from anybody. That's that's um that creates that um, this new kind of transparency that folks are looking for in the candidate. And because there's not 10 candidates doing it, there's really one focus right now. It's all on Nikki Haley, which is why she can pick up all this momentum. In the campaign so far, we've seen various approaches to Donald Trump. I mean, you you frame it as though these people are all taking on an incumbent. Mm -hmm. You've seen Vivek Ramaswamy flatter him endlessly. You saw Chris Christie here in New Hampshire aggressively go after yeah. his lawlessness and Chris yeah. took the nuclear option on Trump. <laughs> Not that he was wrong, but it was man, it was it was tough. Yeah. What what is the best way to run in New Hampshire? If you're going to check, what is the best way for a Republican to challenge Donald Trump? In I think the way, I honestly believe the way Nikki is doing it is the best way. It isn't go nuclear on him. It isn't that. It is spend time on yourself. It seems like she's taking the Goldilocks approach, right? She's contrasting herself with policy. She's not going after the. She's not well, taking she, the nuclear option. Well, she took. She look. She called him out on January six. She called him on a, on election denial. She's called him on a, on his failed policies. She did go back on the January six piece, though. Well, in the last debate, again, she called him out on it. So again. She's spending the time about what she's going to deliver. For a New Hampshire voter, that's important. We we have a very, we're, we're very smart. We're very educated. We know where our budgets are. We know where our tax dollars go. Our, our voter base is very involved politically, right? Because they they take a lot of pride in the, in the civics and all of that sort of thing. We have a lot of voter engagement here. So because of that, by spending time on what you're about, your policies, how you drive forward and your success record, maybe it doesn't translate as well in other states. I don't know. But here, that, that kind of stuff really does matter. So it isn't, if you get, too caught up in what the other guy's doing, what his history is. And that's where Chris Chris had kind of that one, Chris Christie had this 
I'm just going to bash Trump all the time. And he forgot to talk about all these other things that people want to hear. Um, and it was a little too hard, too fast, too much, not about what Chris was going to deliver. And it, it capped out at 13, 14%. That's not going to, that's not going to drive people at the end of the day. Uh, Trump's approach to Nikki Haley is to demean her, call her bird well, he brain. He does it to everybody. He does it to everybody. But there's a special, yeah. there's a special flavor though with Nikki. It's bird brain. It's that she's not tough enough. It feels sexist. Do you think it's sexist? Um, I would say he has a history of that, so it wouldn't. So it shouldn't surprise anybody, right? Obviously, he has a history of demeaning women. Yeah, and so it wouldn't surprise anyone. I'm not going to answer that. For, I would say Nikki's the only one. You that, think it's I, sexist? Uh, I think he has a history of making sexist, sexist remarks. I'll let Nikki answer that. But yeah. yeah, it's demeaning, and it's. But at this point, nobody nobody goes. Oh, I, did Trump really troll someone like that? I, I guess I'll I'll read that, and maybe I'll vote for him now. He's not getting any votes by it. He's just disrupting. He's just causing chaos on the campaign trail. But nobody really cares about that stuff. Did she mention it to you? What? Does she talk to you about Trump's attacks on her? No, nobody cares. No, like we joke about it. Like he's attacked me. He's attacked her. He attacks Chris. He attacks he everybody. You a brat. Yeah. Whatever. You know, I get it. We don't care. It's funny. It's, um, it's trolling. It's, it's silly. Tell me something. Uh, on the campaign trail, here with your electorate, um, do policy arguments against Trump matter? You all have constantly pointed out that he promised a border wall and he didn't deliver mm-hmm. it. He promised to revive the manufacturing sector and it shrunk on his watch. He promised to eliminate the federal debt and it grew by $7 trillion, right. almost more dollars on his watch. Um, do New Hampshire Republicans consider these broken promises? They do. They do. Um, more than anywhere else, I mean, to, to be sure, because again, we get into a lot of the nitty gritty details and that's why she's doing better here than anywhere else because we, we really call out a lot of those issues. Um, so I, again, I can't speak to other states, but it definitely matters here. You, you got to know your stuff. Um, you've said in the past that you aren't supporting Donald Trump, you're supporting Nikki Haley because of the electability argument. That, that's, that's a piece of it. That, but that's there's what you said in the past. Yeah, there's except a lot that, of reasons why I'm supporting Except for that, I mean, now we have seen that there is a real chance that Donald Trump could win if he is the nominee. I mean, their new polling yeah. bears that out. Yeah. Um, so it seems to me that the electability argument has to only be a piece of it. What's the rest of the argument for Nikki? Well, so let's talk about electability. Trump, Trump's, it's, when I talk about electability, it isn't just Trump winning or losing. It's how he affects the rest of the ticket. Right. So with Nikki Haley, we win Senate seats back. We win governorships. We win school board seats. We win all these seats that we have lost that we should have won over the past six years. I'm so tired of losing with this guy. He's a loser. So I want a winner. So it's not just winning the White House. Yeah, he might be able to squeak one out. Should beat Biden by 10 plus points, 15 points, something like that. And that carries a mandate to get stuff done in Congress. That carries a a much easier mandate to actually build the wall and to to deregulate government and all of these things that Trump promised and never got done. So electability isn't just winning the seat. Trump could potentially maybe squeak out a win, but he'd have no ability to do anything he's talking about. Right. So what's the point of what's the point there? Let's elect someone that we know will win and carry all these other Republican initiatives along the way. That's how you get stuff done. Uh, Former President Trump recently claimed immigrants are poisoning the blood of the country. You called the remarks disgusting. You said they were intended to galvanize the base and serve as a distraction from his actual record on immigration. Right. Let's compare a hypothetical President Haley versus President Trump. What would be the outcome of a President Nikki Haley on immigration and the border 
versus a second Trump presidency. Well, she can actually secure, build the wall and secure it. You have to secure the border. Why can she do it and Trump yeah. couldn't? Because she has a record as a governor. She has a record of knowing how to work with the legislature even when they opposed her, knowing how to get stuff done even when they said there's no way we're going to pass X, Y, and Z. As a governor, you have to do that. You have to know how to do things in the public sphere. Trump's, one of his ultimate flaws was that he thought you could run the government like a business. It sounds good, but it's public money, there's checks and balances, there's a Congress and legislature. Even when he had Republicans in the House and Senate, he couldn't get stuff done. And you think he's gonna, he's not gonna have likely the Senate back, right? So you think Democrats are gonna work with him to do anything? God, no. And that's why he said, well, I'll just be a dictator for a couple of days or whatever it is, right? This is, that kind of stuff is, gets a little scary because what he's saying is, um, because I don't know how to do it the right way, because I'm not strong enough to do it the right way, I'll just try to bulldoze my way, bulldoze my way through. Nikki has that experience as governor, balancing budgets when people were challenging on spending or revenues or whatever it is, getting these stuff done. She's passed anti-immigration you know, laws in her home state. So she has a record of knowing how to work in the public sphere and get something done and negotiating this stuff out. That's the key to all of it. Someone with experience um, and a record of, of moving the ball forward. As former UN ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley, Governor Haley and Ambassador Haley says that continuing support for Ukraine is imperative as a global security matter. And you've made that argument as well mm -hmm. on the page. This puts her stance at odds with Donald Trump, who refuses to commit to sending U.S. aid to Ukraine. How is the future of Ukraine under President Haley versus a President Trump? Nikki Haley has a better understanding and expertise of international issues than all of these candidates, than any candidate, put, you know, all the candidates. Put Even together. Donald Trump, who has been president. Oh, absolutely. Trump, Trump showed up at the meetings doing, you know, taking the policies of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. They're the ones that understand these details. They understand that when it comes to Ukraine, you, you provide the support. You don't send them cash. One of the worst things you can do, Nikki acknowledges that better than anybody, but you send them the resources to win because if you let Russia get get a foothold in Ukraine, then they go to the Baltics and then you have United, you know, UN um, and NATO uh, allies at, at risk. And now we're putting troops on the ground, which nobody wants to do. Trump doesn't get get this stuff. Trump wants to negotiate everything. Trump calls Putin his friend and, you know, he's going to, he, he's uh, unwilling to accept that China is a true enemy of this country. Um, you have to make sure America is strong to make sure there's world peace. You support Israel unequivocally. Um, Trump wants to negotiate everything out. Uh, but he doesn't understand the nuances of the issues overseas. He negotiates overseas as if they're Americans that he's negotiating with. And it's a very culturally different thing. Um, again, he said he was going to get a better deal out of North Korea. It never happened. Um, so again, I, I think her experience there, her uh, willingness to put America first and make sure that, as she did in the UN, she took the kick me sign off her backs at the UN, made sure America was, was respected again. It's a very important um, attitude, philosophy, and experience going into the international sphere that Trump cannot match. What is the economic outlook of the United States under President Haley versus a President Trump? Balanced, stable. I mean, Inflation is driven by one thing. Inflation is the biggest crusher, right, on, on low-income and middle-income families in America. It's a, it's, I call it the, it's the worst tax on the poor you can give because wealthy people can handle inflation. They got a little extra money, they're gonna spend a little extra. Lower-income families are getting crushed by this thing. When you balance a budget at the state level and force a balanced budget at the federal level, all the opportunity now flows forward. You gotta make tough decisions to be sure, but that gets your, your house in order. When you have to borrow or print money, it's the only thing that creates inflation in America. That's the only thing, borrowing and printing money. Trump was horrible at it. 
And so for all those conservatives who are tired of the federal government mistreating and misrespecting their hard-earned dollars, that is exactly why you should not be voting for Donald Trump. You want an accountant. I mean, an accountant in the White House like Nikki Haley, what an amazing opportunity to bring balanced budgets, to bring stability, start getting this $34 trillion working uh, in our direction. If we have all this debt, we lose leverage internationally. We lose leverage on that international field. We lose our ability to negotiate better trade deals and, and all of this. It has a huge repercussion effect. Trump never understood or even cared about that. I mean, Trump's entire pro- uh, professional business life, private business life, was built on debt and bankruptcy, debt and bankruptcy. You can't do that with the American dollar. You can't do that with him because that's that's your, we've earned that as, as, as citizens, right? He doesn't treat it with the, re- the respect that it deserves. Conservatives, that, that frustrates them. That angers them. She brings that stability back to the table. That's an amazing opportunity that we just haven't had in decades. Nikki Haley is pro-life, um, but wants to leave the issue to the states, mm-hmm. wants to find areas of consensus, um, doesn't think abortion should be used as a polit- to score political points. That's right. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, is running as, as the president who appointed the justices who overturned Roe v. Wade. Mm. Campaigning in New Hampshire, is that a meaningful contrast to voters? Uh, yeah, yeah, Nikki has the exact right answer. And I'll tell you why. Look, I'm pro-choice. Nikki's pro-life, and we both agree on the answer. As the court said, states are going to decide, right? What's best for Mississippi might be different than California, might be different than New Hampshire, might be different than uh, Florida. And that's okay because the voters have the say. There's very little you're going to ever do at the national level. You're never going to get 60 senators to agree on much when it comes to abortion, right? There's just, that's that's not going to happen. So where you can find that consensus, great. And and, uh, there's things, obvious things that a lot lot of folks agree on, late-term abortion bans and all that sort of thing. But for the bulk of this issue, it's going to be sorted out by the states. That's the way the court said it. And that's the way it should be because you and I as voters have way more say. If we like what's happening in our state, we have way more say in in, in supporting that or making that change. And so I think over the next few years, you'll see things sift out at the state level. But anyone who's running to ban things nationally or, you know, have a one size fits all nationally, it's never going to happen because you're never going to get the votes to do it. It's a fallacy. So she's I think the fact that she supports states' rights, she supports the voters' rights, individual individuals to have the say in terms of where they want their, their laws around a woman's right to choose go, I, I think that's the exact right answer. And it takes the temperature out of the room. It, it takes all the, the politicalization out of it. And so I, I think that's something where a lot of people say, yes, okay, we might not agree on the exact policy, but we, we agree on the process. And right there, America's finding consensus with Nikki Haley's answer. What what does the future of the Republican Party look like after a president after Haley next is week, elected? Who knows? After, <laughs> hold on. So you think the future of the Republican Party actually does hinge on New Hampshire? I, look, from New Hampshire could create an opportunity to get Nikki elected in South Carolina and then Super Tuesday, and that would be an am- and amazing. Then, so what does the future of the Republican yeah. Party look like if Nikki Haley gets, is the nominee and then becomes a president versus the future of the yeah. Republican Party if Donald Trump is reelected? It's, so well, the, look, Nikki brings a lot of... She allows everyone to come together as a strong conservative, but she's not a firebrander. Um, How about she, the fact that she she's knows, a woman of color? What does look, that do we, to the we, party? I think it's well. I don't. I, I think it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know if that's that's defining. I just think the fact that every it's, she's somebody everybody can galvanize around. We haven't had that in so long, right? The same can be said for the Democrats, though. Understand, Democrats are in their own turmoil. 
right? You have these socialist progressives that are that are you know, with all this anti-Semitism on on uh, the campuses right now. You have the uh, more traditional Democrats that are you know shaking their heads. They don't know what to do with that part of the party, but it's a very big part of the party. You have the AOCs. You have the the Bernie Sanders folks. Now they have the presidency, and they're not in a big election uh, battle right now, so they're able to kind of avoid a lot of their internal strife. But believe you me, there's massive internal strife there too. So. You know, I, I try not to say, well, I think five years, this is where the party is going to be. Nobody really knows. I think what's going to happen is this. Trump is at the center of the chaos and the disruption. There's no question about that. that that's putting it lightly, isn't it? Well, but he is. But he, but he, it is putting it lightly. But, but he absolutely is. Over time, well, let me put it this way. I think this is an important point. Uh, a former president once said to me, I, we were having this whole discussion about our institutions and the foundation of democracy and where we are going as a country. And because I think it applies to both parties. And he said, you know, we've gone through a lot in this country. We went through a civil war that almost tore us apart, but our institutions stood strong. We went through a world war, we, a couple of them. We went through nine, you know, the 60s, where you had great American voices and leaders literally getting assassinated in front of us. And people said, it's all over for America. You know, this is violence and it's chaos, our institutions. But they didn't. Our institutions stood strong. 9-11, a pandemic. Our institutions stood strong. Bad leaders come and go, but the institutions here are strong. So this is, I think, where there's a lot of polarization and firebranding right now. I think as those folks kind of aren't part of the system anymore, eventually, the, the temperature comes down a little. You finally get someone and leadership in there that can bring folks together. You need to restore the confidence of the American people so they can believe in the system again to bring down the temperature. And then slowly, both of the parties, they're always going to be a spectrum within those parties, but less of the polarization within themselves. So it's a domino chain reaction. It all starts with leadership. And again, Donald Trump is gasoline on the fire. Nikki Haley brings folks together with a record of experience. As somebody who's written about the future of the Republican Party for about 10 years, mm -hmm. 15 years, it strikes me that the first woman president, as a woman of color who's a Republican, would transform the demographics of the Republican Party amazing. as well. I mean, you, and so that that's a, um, it, it strikes me that there's real power in the future of the Republican Party. What an opportunity! In one right? in one direction and a real um, a real risk. Uh, uh, not a risk. I think we. I think we know that the future of the Republican yeah. Party under Donald Trump, in a second term, would be pretty cataclysmic. Uh, I don't know. Look, I don't know if it's cataclysmic. I think it's it's stagnated. It's polarized. It's stagnated. It's not going anywhere. It's constant internal fighting, but it's not moving forward to be sure. Um, again. The average voters on both the Republican and Democrat side, they don't think five, 10 years out sometimes. I, I wish we all would, right? And But sometimes we're just thinking, in the moment, I need someone that, that carries my anger. And that's all Trump's doing. He's carrying the anger and the frustrations of a lot of the American people right now. And so they don't think much beyond that. Um, that can have repercussions, right? Because a vote is an important thing. Presidents are there for four years. There's a lot that can happen in four years. There's a lot of things that can impact your family in four years. And to have the right leadership there, to think a little long-term, to have the right leadership and think beyond uh, just Trump, but beyond, uh, to your point, to the branding of the party, to the ability to make the party bigger. I want young people in this party. I want the suburban moms back, right? I want a lot of folks that have walked away from this party to get back in. But right now, there's a wall there. We're not going to win unless we build the party bigger. And I'm tired of losing. People ask me, you know, why I'm so passionate about Nikki Haley. She's a winner. 
and she can get more winners and build more winners. That's what this is all about. Trump is a loser. He look, we lost big in 2022. We should have it should have been a red tidal wave for us given the economic strife in this country. And we barely squeaked out a couple of small wins. All of his candidates, all of his branding, all lost all across the country, vehemently rejected. So I'm just tired of that that level of losing. I, I want more Republicans to win. And I think more Republicans should want more Republicans to win. But it only happens if we say, thank you for your service, Mr. Trump. We're moving on to the future. But but to your point, I mean, electability isn't necessarily the key driver. And you just made yeah. a pretty damning case. You made a great case in favor of Nikki Haley, but a pretty damning case in favor against Trump on the on the fronts yes, of foreign policy <laughs> and border. You yeah. say so you won't vote for Donald Trump. Well, if, if, look, if he's the nominee, if we have to go with our weakest candidate, of course, I'm going to vote for the okay, Republican because that's how bad that Biden is. But yeah, I'm in the, in the, this is, we're talking primary here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know. But like, what about the Trump. consequences? I mean, you you painted this picture of how damning he would be on foreign policy, how damning he would be on the border again, mm-hmm. how damning he would be on fiscal policy again, how, how bad he would be for our economic outlook yeah. again. <laughs> but look at what Biden's done. Look at how bad this administration is. Put it this way, Biden is so bad. Like Trump had no electability six months ago. Biden has become so bad that now he actually could squeak out a win. That's how bad Joe Biden is, is, is that America would take all that chaos potentially over Joe Biden. That says something how how bad the Democrat. Look, I'm still a believer. I'm one of the few, but I don't think Joe Biden is ultimately on that on the nominee in November. It, it's, I, I know I've heard you hot take that. and all that sort of thing, but at the end of the day, um, this is what the Democrat Party has to has to look to. This is what the Bidens themselves have to understand. They have they have a legacy decision. The Bidens do right when you get a little older, you're thinking of legacy. They, he wants to be remembered. He's a, a man of public service. He can be the Democrat that got into office and got rid of Donald Trump, or the Democrat that stayed too long and let Donald Trump back in potentially. That's the discussion the Democrat Party is having, and I think the Bidens are going to have. I think he'll go through the process and collect the delegates, but. Look how how tough it's become physically for him in the last six months. Imagine where we'll be six months from now as we get to the convention. There's going to be a lot of tough conversations happening within the Democrat Party. Are we just going to hand this back to the Republicans? I think Nikki Haley has a shot to be the candidate. and We're, we're all going to get behind her. But they, they know they're potentially handing everything back to the Republicans by not having the tough conversations with Biden about moving on. He'll be thanked. He'll be lauded by his party. You know, he can go out on top. Um, but uh, ego gets in the way of sensible decisions sometimes when you're in Washington, D.C., I suppose. Um, you said something just now that I can't not go back to because it, sure. it is, look, on a policy front, apples to apples, I can understand the argument you're making on a policy front for Trump over Biden. Um, the difference, as we all know, is that there's never been a president in history who has tried to hold on to power and participated actively in, in a violent act at the Capitol to hold on to power, that peaceful transition of power, which has been the bedrock of American institutions and our democracy. Mm-hmm. So can you really consider this an apples to apples transaction when you consider the future of the country under a future Biden, a second Biden or a second Trump presidency? Well, according to the polls, most them, Americans agree with me. Well, that's I mean, according to the polls, true. Trump is would beat Biden today by a, a point or two. So that this is, isn't some is ob, this isn't some obscure uh, no, obscure no, 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 thought that the Republican governor is going to get Biden the Republican nominee. I, I hope that doesn't I, shock anybody. I know, anybody. but but it, when you do look at the polls, you also notice that Trump begins to lose 
under the hypothesis or under the circumstance where there is a conviction of Donald Trump. There's not going to be, look. And it, I know you don't think there's going to be a conviction, a but I'm just saying. hypothetical that's way out there. If everyone's waiting for a conviction, uh, some external factor to stop Donald Trump, don't. Go to the ballot box. You better participate in democracy. Democracy is what moves Donald Trump on. Democracy is what beats Donald Trump. But you got to go out if you're in New Hampshire and South Carolina. You got to go vote. The, this extern, this Well, this is the thing that's really going to take him down. That's not. The court cases are going to go on for years. There's not going to be, he's not going to be a convicted felon. That's, that's all a hypothetical. I drive people on that issue because I'm trying to warn them, don't wait for somebody else to fix this problem that you foresee. Go participate. Go be the, the solution. That's the democratic process. I I, I, I fully endorse that approach. Yeah. I think that is the healthy approach. I think you have to beat people at the ballot box. Why, though, when people go into the ballot box? Because you have said in New Hampshire, the court cases are not weighing on people's in, as a part Anywhere of their in America, consideration. Yeah. Or any, okay, yeah. so explain to me why, for example, in one court case, a jury of Trump's peers found him liable for sexual abuse and defamation in a civil case for an incident that the judge called rape. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that doesn't resonate with voters? So there's a couple of things going on. You have multiple court, this is why it doesn't resonate. You have multiple cases. Um, some are civil, some are federal, some are state, some are over elections, some are over the, the, the uh, sexual abuse and all this kind of stuff. Um, some are legitimate. Some people think they are politically driven. And I agree, would agree with that. I think there's some, some of these are, but it's all convoluted. You get a different story about a different court case every day. You're saying if the, there were one case, it'd be no, fine, I'm, but I'm 91 saying, felonies yeah, is too confusing see, to follow. You and I are in it. Like we understand that the average voter isn't even looking at it. They're really not. If they were, he wouldn't be leading in the polls. He wouldn't be beating Joe Biden in a race today. People have kind of, it's all become white noise, unfortunately. And so no one's looking at the details. I mean, we look at it because I'm, I'm a politician and you're in the news and all that. But the average person out there is just trying to figure out how to pay for their next meal at McDonald's because of inflation. The average person out there today in New Hampshire, it's 14 degrees. They're, they just got a bill for 750 bucks to fill their fuel tank and they're figuring out how to pay for it. They don't have that money because they just had to put their rent on a credit card because inflation is so high. That's what the American average American is facing right now. And, you know, they're selfish with their vote, and that's okay. You should be selfish with your vote. You should vote for whatever is in your direct family's interest, right? And right now, what's in a lot of people's barrier, their family's interest, it's a lack of, of mental health services. It's a lack of um, uh, affordability on health care. And it's crushing inflation that is, that is crushing their family. They, they understand there's a lot of this chaos out there with Trump and all this other stuff. You and I get it. It's really bad. But don't fool yourself. Most American voters are not following the details. They're not following the bouncing ball, knowing that this is going to go on for years. So it won't enter the calculus when, it, when they come to the ballot box. So you say you and I are in it. We're following it. We understand the consequences. You've I actually don't follow it nearly as much as I probably lead on. I really don't. I, it's, it's, it's white noise to me. To but you have um, been very successful at... Uh, standing around and separating yourself from President Trump in key moments. Sure. I mean, from George Floyd's murder to January 6th, yeah. um, to, uh, to uh, you know, there are many examples of this. So as, as you say, people are thinking about what the best choice for them is. Are you really such a partisan that you think that you would vote for Donald Trump, that that would be the best choice for the country if he were the nominee? Well, I, I, I'm such a partisan. I, I don't, 
I mean, you, I don't like, care. Is that, it, that's that's labeling right there. Are we yeah, othering? Yeah, are we you othering you're a now? Republican, and you're <laughs> only going to vote for the Republican, even if he has done all these things. Yeah, that in this you case, would have you have argued? Looking what we have with Biden, remember it's a binary choice. Yeah, it's a binary choice. Uh, if you don't vote for one, you're, it's essentially a vote for the other. And there's, I mean, what Biden has done to this country, the lack of management, the massive amounts of this wokeism, this socialism, this is real, and it is crushing families. And I, I'm apparently in the majority in, in that thought process right now, right? This isn't some minority thought. So that's that's exactly where we are. But yes, I would vote for the Republican. This, this is my other hope. It's not just the president. It's who he surrounds him. My hope was that he would bring in a better team. Biden's cabinet is awful. I mean, awful. I, the stories I could give you of the EPA administrator alone is an absolute joke. It is, they don't look at data. They don't look at, I'm an environmental engineer. I know I'm one of the more environmentally conscious politicians you're going to find. all policy arguments that are no. robust and important policy but the, distinctions. But, but it's important that Trump at least has the ability to put a good team in place. Does he? Of, I'm sure he has the, the opportunity to do it. Yeah. 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 But so, and I think yeah. Nick, would, Nick Haley's team would be 10 times better. But compared, faced with what we have with today, it's awful. And as a governor, I have to deal with these guys every single day. It's a nightmare. It's a quagmire. There's no management at the top. He's not checking in with his secretaries and his team. They're just running on their social, on, on their kind of their their social platforms. So if you don't have management at the top, everything else falls apart, and that's what you're seeing. And that's how bad Joe Biden is, and that's why even Donald Trump could potentially beat him. Nikki Haley would crush him, but Donald Trump could maybe squeak something out. If it's Governor Haley versus Biden in New Hampshire, who wins? Oh, Haley would crush him. Yeah, Joe Biden's walked away from New Hampshire, you know, three times. It's embarrassing. The guy's trying to scrape together a write-in campaign right now just to save face. If it's Trump v. Biden, who wins? In New Hampshire? Yeah. Oh, Biden. Yeah, Biden would beat him again. Yeah. You say that Biden would be worse than Trump. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing it right now. How do you, how do you, <laughs> I, mean, I know, I, I understand. Yeah. But how do you then really grapple with the things Donald Trump is saying he will do when he's president? Um he says he'll use the Justice Department to target his critics. He says that he will terminate the Constitution and use the military for domestic law enforcement. I mean, he's saying things that are outrageous, and he's said them yeah. much before. But you know what? He's also more organized this time. He is. And he has very effective people around him. Um, does that give you pause? No, does Trump's campaign announce- rhetoric, extremism, nothing new. I mean, that's what Trump has done forever. Right. Trump has said outrageous things since well before he was president. He's never slowed down. But he's been able to mobilize violence now, which we've seen since then. And does that give you pause? In terms of? Well, in January, after January 6th. You're talking about January 6th. Um, Of course it gives me pause. There's no question. It should give everybody pause. Nobody likes to hear that kind of stuff, especially out of someone who could be the leader of the free world. Um, But at the end of the day, he's still going to, he could still garner the votes to beat Biden. But you're talking about, you're going back and forth between what you would stand for versus You know, what could happen? Yes, he could yeah. win. He could should win. he? Yeah. Should he win against Biden? Yeah. I think I think the country, look, now we're getting way in, into, into a, a, a hypothetical. Again, I want to focus on Nikki Haley beating Trump in the primary. I know, that's, but it's we're, not we're that in the New Hampshire primary it's here. It's not that's, that hypothetical. So yeah, he he would, I believe, he'd put, he could potentially put a much better team together to manage the individual aspects of government far and away better than Joe Biden. There's no question about that. And most Americans would agree with me. But he's the weakest candidate. 
and I'm tired of having the weakest candidate. I'm tired of losing other races because of him. And there's such opportunity here with Nikki Haley. Um, I, I, I'm just going to say it. Feels I like fan, are, it feels like fantasy thinking, but I'm going to move on. Um, what, what fantasy thinking? What they do? Put a good team would, together. That he would put a great team together. That we have any Better reason than Biden's, to believe Biden's that would, is that bad. I mean, that's how bad. You're, but you're yeah, you're Biden's in the policy land. You're not in the reality of what he's saying he'll do that that will really disrupt our institutions. But again, I. To your point about the strength it's of institutions, I mean, he wants to use the Justice Department to target his enemies. There's look, I, I don't want to get into the. There are arguments to be made that the Democrats have done just that. But there's no arguments Democrats to be made. Have, 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 have marshaled have, violence against the Capitol to hold on to look, political January power. January 6th it's was a, awful. Everybody knows how awful January 6th was. But if you think that that is a complete disqualifier, I know some people think it is, but most Americans don't think it's a disqualifier. And, and ultimately, you know, he could win. I, I know. I, I, I think, think it was, going back we all know how awful we, that day was, right? It was absolutely awful. But to say, well, just because of January 6th, he's not going to get elected. No. I know. I'm not saying just because of January yeah. 6th, he won't get elected. I think he very well could yeah. get elected, but yeah. should he? That's, if the people vote for him, yes. It, right? Because it's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's only about the voters. Isn't and the voters have the say. You're the governor of a state. You yes, have because the voters to say decide. what should happen. I mean, no, but you can take no, a say. No, you're no. taking a stick for Nikki Haley. No, you, you, I, I, I have to be honest. That's a really dangerous premise that you're putting out there. That, that because I'm a governor, I should say for, what should happen. Or, or the voters should, decide what, what, what should happen. Absolutely. Yeah, no it's question. all about the voters. But you would still vote for Trump under that circumstance. Yeah. And I've been consistent on that. I don't know. Repo- like I said, you Republican governor voting for consist- Republican candidate shouldn't shock anybody. That's why I said, are you such a partisan that you'd still vote for a guy who that's wanted not, to overturn that's democracy? That's not a partisan. That's, yeah, that's, you're the Republican governor supporting the Republican candidate who tried to overturn democracy. Because Biden is awful. I don't think you appreciate at all the 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 how bad this administration is and what is happening out there with families that literally can't heat their homes. And they have every right to be furious about it, every right to demand more, because they voted for Biden and they expected more from him. That's why his poll numbers have gone from 60 to 35. A politician's poll numbers only fall when you've failed the expectations of those who originally supported you. And that's how bad it is. So just to say, well, because of January 6th, Biden Trump should lose. The voters will decide that's- who should and shouldn't win. And it is because Biden is so bad at the management, he's lost all control in terms of providing better services and, and, and better opportunities for the citizens of this country. I, I, I want to move yeah. on, but I just I think the point is it's hard to believe that you, Chris Anunu, who has who who recognizes how severe January sixth was, would still vote for Donald Trump. So, I've been very consistent. On, I know you on have, but, the but but it's but yeah. I know about because you're yeah. you're a good partisan. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not an independent. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> even though I'm you're a, as a good cons- person. Is there, I mean, is there any? I mean, is there? But is there? So there's no Republican you wouldn't vote for, even a convicted criminal. He's not going to be convicted. Again, that's you're throwing the hypothetical out there. Um, well, you don't know that. Yeah. We don't know that. I mean, we can guess that, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah, I know. You're asking me hypotheticals. I'm going to go on what 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 this, what, okay. this, what it is today. Let's move on. Uh, your dad, John Sununu, after being governor of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. having the same job you have now, went on to be chief of staff for George H.W. Bush. Yeah, great president. George H.W. Bush appeared on Firing Line several times. He appeared in 1974, before your dad worked for him, when he was before the chair. Before I was born, apparently. Before you were born, <laughs> when he was chair of the RNC. And he was discussing how Republican candidates should handle President Nixon in the wake of Watergate. Okay. As head of the Republican Party, uh, is, it, uh, is it uncomfortable for you to co- op- op- cooperate with people running for Congress 
on a I have nothing to do with Nixon ticket? Well, I, it's not, I, I think we've got room in our party for diversity. Uh, it's not uncomfortable for me to cooperate with them. And my advice to them, and very few people seek it these days, but when they, if they do, I'll say, look, emphasize the good things that the administration has done uh, and jump up and down and say you don't like Watergate, that you're against it, you got all the answers for reform, you wouldn't have do, had anything to do with it, you were out here in Iowa and you weren't down there in Washington, and if you'd have been there, things would have been different. Be against the bad things before the good things. Very different approach to uh, to Nixon than I think is the approach to Trump. Trump has been endorsed by more than half of GOP members of Congress and several of your fellow governors. If he's the nominee, more will follow. Is there room in the party for, like there was with Nixon, a diversity of viewpoints about Donald Trump? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. No, look, as, as the, the evidence the, of that. Well, as the former president said, you know, it's okay. The evidence, well, I would say this, the evidence is how I, I worked with Donald Trump. When he did something I disagreed with, I would call him. I'd call the White House and say, I can't believe she just said that. I'm coming out strong against it. I'm just trying to be super transparent about it. And when he did things, uh, some some of the few things on regulatory form that I liked, um, then would, would call would give him the credit too. So no, there's, you just have to, if you're transparent, you're not overthinking about it and all that. Uh, you're, you try to, you know, enter everything, you know, with, without the Trump mindset of, of, you know, trying to troll everybody and tear everyone down. Uh, you know, you be polite. In other words, as my mom said, always be polite. Uh, yeah, there's room. There's, there's a lot of room in the party for a lot of different ideas. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he was a Democrat, you know. Donald Trump was a lifelong Democrat that gave a lot of money to Democrats, Right. He changed, changed to be Republican to, to be able to get elected, but he's not defined by the party. He's not. There are bumper stickers out there that say, I don't vote Republican, I just vote Trump. That defines Donald Trump right there. So Does that hurt him in New Hampshire? No, people don't know because again, people, like this is why he actually gets, you know, he could actually get some of those independent voters back potentially um, because he's not, he doesn't define the party, the party doesn't really define him. Uh one thing I forgot to ask you about is that independent voters and affiliated voters in New Hampshire also uh, have a cohort of libertarians. That they're libertarian voters. Yeah, are you talking about the, liber the capital L Libertarian Party. The liber and then there's the lowercase party. L libertarians that just kind of are more independent in individual liberty thinking. Yeah. The libertarians, uh, what is the argument to the libertarians that they should vote for Nikki Haley? Well, assuming they're not, if you're registered in the Libertarian Party, I mean you can't vote in the, in the Republican. I mean yeah. the undaffiliated who yeah. are Libertarian. Nikki Haley's premise is to decentralize government and send more power back to the states, back to the towns, and back to the voters. That's the that's less government in your life. That's an, um, that is at the core of the Libertarian argument. Hey, let's have less government. That's the live for your die thing. We love that here. And that's a very, very powerful message. So having kind of a— How does that contrast with Trump's message to them? Trump is just follow me and I'll fix it all for you with my big government solution. Yeah, libertarians should hate Donald Trump because he's he didn't de, he didn't drain the swamp. He didn't decentralize government. He didn't stop spending money. He spent like a like a drunken sailor. So that goes that's the antithesis of the libertarian argument. Look, you're a successful Republican governor in what is essentially a blue state, purple state. Blue state. No, purple we're state. We are a red state, but we're surrounded by all these blue states so it kind of has this purple tinge. Just because well, Massachusetts is so close. At the uh, in the presidential contest, it's gone for yeah, Democratic yeah. presidents. Yeah, it's for, purple. For it, of course, it's 
purplish red mauve. Can we go with mauve? But look, I think of Larry Hogan. I think of Charlie Baker. I think of Republicans who have been yeah, very I'm not successful. Larry Hogan and Charlie Baker. It's true. They're, they're friends. legislatures. Yeah, they're very different. And their legislatures are different than yours or were. I've had Democrats. I've had Republicans. Is there a model here for a national, a Republican who can win nationally if you have to work with Democrats and you have to learn to to get things done. Are there yeah, a series so like, of policies that aren't, does it, does it put you in a place to have a more pragmatic approach yeah. to governing if you're not from an all red or an all blue state? Oh no, you're saying can someone, can only Democrats from blue states win nationally, can only Republicans from red states win nationally? No, definitely not. No, because look, people want someone they connect with. They want someone who's likable. Like I said, this policy stuff matters, but not clearly with Trump, it, it really doesn't. Trump is not a, a hardcore conservative by any means, right? But he galvanizes a lot of folks there. Um, Nikki, Nikki is a strong conservative, and she's gaining a lot of momentum. Um, no, you can be, I mean, Trump is from, I mean, he wasn't a politician before, but I don't even know where he's from now. New Jersey, New York, That he's really a New Yorker, right? We all know that. Uh, now he's down in Florida. But no, you, you can be who you need to be. You can be what you are. People want someone that they can simply look you in the eye and trust. They don't need to buy off on every policy. They don't need to agree with you on every policy to be successful. They just want to know that you're genuine, that you're connecting with them. And at the end of the day, you have ability to get stuff done and, and move the ball forward the way they want the way they want it moved forward. Yeah. Governor Sununu. You bet. Thank you for this. This is great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.